We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. I just want to give a quick thank you to you, the listener. I appreciate you, and I want you to know that. If there's ever anything that I can do to support you, please reach out. That being said, here's two ways that you can connect with me online. One, if you'd like to get more involved in the networking conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. Two, LinkedIn is the channel that you're going to find me specifically most active on. Just search for Lori Hybe. You can simply click the follow button as I post daily information about marketing strategy, tips, all podcast episodes, and upcoming events. If you'd like to connect, make sure to send a note with your connection request that references social capital. I can't wait to hear from you. All right. This podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency that believes that you have to really understand your customer before you can start marketing to them. You can learn more about mapping out your client's uh, discovery process by visiting keystoneclick.com. All right. Today's guest is Liz Mead. She is an adventure speaker traveling the world and taking on challenges to find lessons of leadership, communication, diversity, and inclusion. A diversity speaker and researcher for over a decade, she specializes common language and daily communication around race and cultural differences in the workplace. Liz uses a direct, humorous, and vivid style from the stage to create opportunities for communication around differences. She shares live <laughs> she shares live with seven kids and her husband of 21 years. I, I read that kind of weird, and I apologize for that. But Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Lori. Well, I, I can definitely vouch for your adventure speaker, <laughs> candid conversation, vivid style from the stage as I, I saw you present uh, just a few months ago at the Build a Better Agency Summit. And I just was like, well, I got to get her on my podcast. So um, kudos to you for being as awesome as your bio says. I really appreciate you being open at that event. And, you know, when I talk about being an adventure speaker, most people think it's about climbing mountains and you know, taking trips to places that most people wouldn't go. But to me, it's about taking a trip to place that places that most people don't want to go socially. That really is the adventure, is how do we take this adventure, connect with each other, and build confidence, not be so afraid to take a chance with people. Yeah, I love that. And I think that you really did a good job of challenging the room. And, and let's talk about that. So how do you work the room with diversity and belonging in mind? <laughs> it's funny that you asked that question because I am just like everyone else. I am in the middle of growth and change and I deal with my own humanity and the humanity of others. Like sometimes when I see these thought leaders that are like typically on Oprah super soul sessions, they are very, um, you know, their vibe is very mellow. And for me, the first thing about networking is to be authentic. And the second thing about being authentic and networking is that you don't take it personally, which is constantly a juggle. How do you do that in 
uh, networking with diversity, stay authentic, but not take it personally. I love that. Being authentic is one of the things that I, I'm a huge advocate for and kind of preach in the, in the networking space. So, um, what are some of the questions to avoid? I know this is a, a big one that a lot of people have some level of uncertainty around. It's a really, it's a tough one because the reason why it's tough is because life has changed so much. And, and honestly, what was, um, ex- what was acceptable even two years ago, like, let's just say pre COVID, um, pre 2020 is no longer acceptable. And so the kinds of questions, which are very superficial, um, they're fun wine questions, like where are you from and what's your ethnicity and you have such an interesting look or what's your take on this? You know, someone might ask me, uh, what my take is on something related to diversity in the news. Um, not because I'm a diversity speaker, but because I'm a person of color. And some of those assumptions that people are okay with you jumping in right away into their personal life are just not okay anymore. I think the expectation has changed. Um, We have an increased expectation that people will understand what is acceptable and what is not. And we're not forgiving ignorance as much anymore. So rather than say people are too sensitive a better thing is, you know, what's your experience with this? What do you find important? Um, if you had to choose between these two things, what would you choose? So you're getting deeper into what someone's interests are or perspectives rather than the superficial differences that we can see with the naked eye. I like that. And I think experience is something that um, really shows uh, perspective. You know, I'm a huge advocate of understanding perspective of other individuals and and asking about their experience or what they're giving some options is definitely something that resonates with me. So I love that. Um, and, you know, what's interesting that I, I kind of had as an aha, as I heard you speak, was that it really isn't, um, it's, I guess, taboo to, to ask, like, where are you from? You know, and I can you just explain that a little bit further? Yeah, I can. I'll, I can. I can tell you from my own experience and um, and from the strategies I think that works. So it has. It will continue to be that people will always ask me where I'm from. I am Indian. My my parents are 100% Indian from South India, and I am the first in my family that was born here. Uh, and there are many more now since then. And so when people look at me, they want to know where I'm from. They have different ideas of what an Indian should look like or whether I'm Black, uh, African-American. They look at my clothing. I just don't seem easily placed. So they'll ask me where I'm from. They start with, you're very beautiful. Where are you from? Thinking that the compliment is like tickets to the game to Mm. be able to get deeper with me. And um, what I want you to imagine, because that, that singular question on one day at one networking event is not problematic. It's just, where are you from? But imagine I'm 50 years old and imagine that since I can remember, people have been asking me where I'm from and you can hear in my voice that I'm not from anywhere. Like I'm from the Midwest, Um, but my appearance others me. And so that's this riddle that people are constantly posing me. Imagine day after day, people are constantly telling you you're not like them, but you're an American citizen. You are, you studied in the same textbooks. You went through the same 
terrible hairstyles in the eighties. You, you remember nine 11, you, you experience mm -hmm. life as an American, but people constantly ask you where you're from. And then mm -hmm. you start thinking, what would it take for people to stop asking me that question? Like, what would I have to do in order for people to stop asking me the question? It's just tiresome, I think, to be asked those questions. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. I understand it. So what is the biggest thing that you hope people will take to heart as they enter 2022? The, the thing that I love to teach, I, I am a trainer and a speaker, and I've niched myself into diversity for the first time in 15 years, because I think that my country needs help in strategies to build confidence around differences. We, our confidence is at an all-time low, so which is why you see so much conflict is because the only people who are left talking are the ones who don't care what you think. And everybody else has become a bit silent because they're afraid that people will be offended. And they know that that's not what they want, but they're not sure how to say it. And so what I hope is that, first of all, people understand it's not about intent, it's about impact. So, you know, you we all mean well. You know, that is a real thing that nobody goes to a networking event to hurt some feelings or to make people feel discluded. That's just not why you go to a networking event. However, the things that you say may have the opposite impact to your intent. And then that's where the work starts. If you didn't intend for it to be that way, it should be pretty easy to change what you're saying because you want the impact to be a positive one. And I think that one thing can change a lot of things a lot of ways that people connect with each other. I think confidence can be built back up. And then the second thing that I'm really hoping is that people will understand that you can have the same situation, but experience it differently. So one, let's say there was a temperature in the house, 69 degrees, and one person's wearing sweaters and mittens, and the other one has actual sweat rolling down their cheek. Because you can have the same temperature, but experience it two different ways. So rather than arguing about whether one person should not feel cold or not feel hot, you recognize that two people are in exactly the same place, but they don't feel the same way about it. And then conversations can start. And I think if those two things, if I can convince people or if people can understand that it's not about, it's not a fight over who's going to take the summit that it's really a, just a different way of looking at the mountain. I really think that some change could happen and we're ready for it. I love the temperature example. I think that's, and that goes back to what I was talking about with the perspective. I think there's, it, everyone's got a different angle that they're uh, viewing something or experiencing something. And I think the temperature scenario, which definitely reminds me of my husband and I, but <laughs> it's a totally <laughs> different conversation. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. It's definitely a good analogy to, to illustrate what it is that you're, you're trying to flesh out. And I love the confidence positioning. I agree hundred percent with that. And I just, I see that, um, daily that there's, there's a lack of confidence that's happening. And I don't know, I don't know what the solution is for that, but I think, um, I it does do start with the, I'm just kidding. What was that? <laughs> I said, I, I, I feel like Liz Mead is the solution, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think it starts with the individual though, you know, they have to yes, realize that yes. and, and have that come to their own awareness because no one else can, I mean, people can help build up your confidence, but it, in my opinion, it's very much your, your, you're your own worst enemy in that, in that position. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that confidence comes with repetition. Sure. It comes with taking chances and it comes with repetition. And the less we talk, so there are statistics that are my parents. So that would be baby boomers in my situation. They had more diverse diversity in their relationships, meaning everyone didn't have to think, look, act the same way than we do. And that is so interesting to me. But I think what's happened is being nice and being, being, um, socially acceptable has taken precedence over authenticity. So it's backfired. We don't want to, we don't, we think that if we just learn what not to say, that that will help everything, but we need to learn what to say. And we need to learn to bring curiosity, true curiosity back to our lives. Not just the simplistic, where are you from? Why do you look like that? But to truly understand the perspectives of others, which is really what makes life interesting. Who cares where I'm from? What do I think about things? Like, what would I, if I, if my ship was sinking, what do I hang on to? And what do I throw out is a much more interesting conversation than where my parents are from. And I, I sure. really think we're ready for that as a community. Um, I think we're bored and we're in the, all the things that we buy cannot, cannot balance against the, the people thing, but it's just so people are more interesting than anything that I could have with a thing that it'd be like a video game or a television or a, there's nothing like connecting with an individual well that makes you feel fulfilled. Yeah, and it experiences, that's what it kind of ties into. And I, I'm really pulling in on that again, cause I, I, love, I love that positioning. Um, well, this is a great time to pause for a quick message from our sponsor. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. So Liz, the purpose of the show is really to help um, alleviate any fears that people have when it comes to that word networking, because sometimes it's associated with uncertainty, hesitation, you know, and it sounds really scary, but I'm hoping that you can help me um, share with our listeners and and alleviate some of those fears by sharing one of your uh, most successful or favorite networking stories that you've had. You know, I started my business 15 years ago and I can actually, it's interesting because Drew McClellan, who headed up the Build a Better Business Summit, right? Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Agency, agency. Um, he was part of that early networking. So I was very successful in the beginning because I was so open about what I wanted. You know, I didn't, I think sometimes people default to not, they think every, they don't want to be salesy. So they never ask for anything and they don't share how important it is. And I met actually one of the speakers at that summit, um, Adam, and I met Drew through that process where I was saying, you know, my, my biggest dream is to uh, speak, to talk to audiences at the time. I wasn't even sure what I wanted to talk about. And they were able to help me because I just let them know, Hey, I'm putting 
all my cards in your hands. Like, can you help me with this? And I probably had 20 people in those first years help me with different things like start a, I did like an internet radio show, which would now be called a podcast. <laughs> Back then, that's, that's what they called it. Love I got it. a television show. I, I got countless numbers of speaking engagements. I wrote a book and it all happened in that first five years because I was so willing to help others, but also say, you know, I really admire this expertise about you. What do you think? What's your advice? What would my next step be? And I always, you know how you, you give advice and people don't take it. I took everyone's advice. I was like, okay, unless it really ran against my, what I've thought was the correct way to proceed. Mm-hmm. I really did. I took it all to heart. And so every networking event was this fun I just want to get to know people. I helped a lot of people also. I took all the information. I said, why don't you try this and, um, you know, record it this way, or, Hey, I found a way that you can write a book this way, like all kinds of things we shared with each other. And it was a precious time. Honestly, it was right around 2008 when people were looking for that kind of thing. And, um, so it isn't any one thing, but it was me going in with this childlike openness saying, I'm not going to play it cool. I am going to give you, I'm going to show you who I am and uh, I'm going to show you who I am and you get to decide whether you like me or not, not hiding anything. I love it. And I love that you just kind of, you said, I'm going all in and you went all in and, and it kind of speaks to your comment about being authentic early on. I think there's so much truth to that, but you know, being authentic is what's going to attract more people to want to help you out as well. At least you're going to attract the type of people that want to want to hang out with you, you know? Yeah. You're also going to get rejected. So there were plenty of people that didn't like me and I journal a lot. And, um, you could, if I look back at those journals and I did spend a lot of time thinking about those people, because at that time I hadn't, I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't done the self-work yet, but And so you do get rejected. That's why people don't lead with authenticity because they're, they go in a little bit hesitant so that they can see whether it's a nice crowd, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like going to a garage sale or like TJ Maxx or something like that. Like you have to go through a lot of stuff in order to find the gem. And I was so sure that I would find that one person. And I just sort of, I did, I got rejected. People would ignore me or they would say two things, realize I didn't have what they wanted and move on. Or, you know, sometimes people would, you know, I would, I would say something and they just try to sell me something like the number of people who wanted me to sell something in a multi-level marketing thing. It was, (laughs) I found a lot. I signed up for a few before I realized I couldn't do it myself. And um, there was a lot of, so it was a little bit hurtful, but I, it was worth it. I look back and think now it was worth it. Now your network, I would imagine is fairly extensive, especially with all the speaking and traveling that you've done. How do you stay in front of and best nurture these relationships in the community that you've developed? That is so, that's such a good question. I, I, you know, in one way we have, we have social media and authenticity really, it makes, it's what makes social media run. It always has. And now you know, with the advent of reels and TikTok and just the way video works. Um, that's the, that is the capital authenticity. If they can, if they like you, 
and you you build a following on the real you, you're never going to get sick of being you. And so I have always used social media and been real. Like, you know, about my husband, you'll know about my children, the things that make me sad, the things that make me excited. It's not all about me, but I'm the engine. And so social media was one really big thing. And then bless video. Like when video came on the scene, that became the partner to authenticity because you know, like that 90% of your communication, that's nonverbal that people have their intuition. They really can decide whether they want, whether you're telling them the truth, whether you really know what you're talking about over time. And so, um, because now I really came in at the best possible time. I have things like newsletters and I have, I have a lot of ways to play with me, but video is the place where someone will say, I watched two hours of your YouTube channel and finally sent you an email. I would like to hire you as a speaker. And so back in the day when I had, I still don't have that many viewers. Like, I think I might have, I don't know. I think I might have like 40,000 views, which is not very much, but out of those 40,000 views, I have gotten an incredible number of speaking engagements and opportunities. So, you know, I'm 50. It's for the, for the Gen X people as well. It's for anyone who wants to get in front of the camera and be themselves. I think that's the biggest way that I stay connected with my community. Yeah. I like that. I like the videos showcasing the authenticity, which is, um, I, whenever people ask why I don't do video and it's because I, I just get that whole confidence thing. <laughs> I mean, I'll do it, but confident. <laughs> I, it's so much easier for me to just turn the camera off and talk no microphone. <laughs> um, I get it. Yeah, you know, but to your point, you know, 40,000 views, who cares how big or little that number is? It's quality over quantity and who's actually looking at it. And it sounds like you've reaped some some major rewards from it. So kudos to you on that. Thank you. Thank you. I hope to have millions, but it only happens when you put the content out. So I keep thinking when that moment happens, I want to have material out there. I want content, good content for people. For sure. So, you know, you, you don't, I think sometimes people think, well, I'll wait for the tornado to come and then I'll go. And we know how that works, right? You can't outrun the tornado. So you have to prepare for good things to happen. Totally. Uh, and I think that that's a thing for networking, prepare for the biggest moment to happen unexpectedly and then be ready with all your stuff. I mean, put it in your trunk and be like, oh, did you want me to? Yes, I have my thing that I'm going to demonstrate for you now. And you throw out your red carpet and you do it right there. And uh, you don't want to be like, oh man, can we, can we wait a week? And can you maintain your excitement about what we just talked about until I get myself ready? I don't want to be in that situation. So I, I try to prepare. So speaking of, well, prepare, Pairing, but what additional advice would you offer to that business professionals really looking to grow their network? Um, you know, okay. I, I think there's a couple of things. The one thing no one wants to hear is that I still think that you have to put yourself in front of people and that you have to be ready to explain what your value proposition is, who you are. I think that that is a really important first layer. So you do need to find your people and show up. I mean, I found that the summit that we met at, that was a networking thing for me. I decided that I wanted to put myself out there, get into that group of people. And I think that first impressions, in-person impressions are really important. And then the other side of it, when somebody is 
wanting to get, you know, it doesn't matter what you're selling. Everybody's trying to sell an idea or a product or connect meaningfully in some way. And you have to show what you're doing. Uh, I look at TikTok, which I'm fascinated with TikTok, but there's, there's, I can't remember what the name of the account is, but she makes these stickers that go on the back, like on laptops and um, phones. And then she makes these keychains. And all she does is video what she's doing and on and on, and they're really pretty things. And she's she sometimes gives you uplifting things, like it's her voice and she's just talking about what's going on in her life. But you wanna buy it because over time you feel like you're part of it. And so I think that it connected with the in-person connection, you maintain that with these, like find a way to show people what you're doing. Don't give them the curated version. Just show them what you're doing and get over yourself wanting to look perfect, which I was raised in the 80s. Like it was all about trying to look perfect all the time. Uh, so that's a tough habit to break. But at the end of the day, that's what people want. They want to invest in something that they feel like they can be part of. And I think for anyone who's starting out, it really doesn't matter. You can accelerate your process if you're willing to put yourself out there in person and then pull back the curtain and reveal who you are. And I'm saying through video, everyone should have a TikTok. I have a TikTok. It's mama need. I'm still not very good at it. I learn from my children, but I think that's going to be where, I think that's where it's going to be at for a while. <laughs> I've been <laughs> avoiding TikTok. I only watch No, you it have to do it. I will be randomly your first, send I'll be your videos. first follower. <laughs> I will. I promise. I don't even know what I do. <laughs> well, you should go and look at mine because I really feel like let's not miss the boat on this. Like the rea- <laughs> there are people out there influencing each other incorrectly, like go out there and be the expert and offer, like, I love your personality is so nurturing and interested and engaged. Like go be that person on TikTok and whatever comes to your head, just one minute, just say it and then let it fly and see what happens because your people are out there just waiting, wasting time, watching <laughs> hours of something and they think it's a minute. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. And speak the truth. I oh, speak the oh, truth. Oh, I always speak the truth. It gets me in trouble sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> um, here's a fun one for you, Liz. If you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? Oh, I love this question. Uh, just some insight about me. I just moved. I moved from uh, you know, a city, a small city, but still a city, to a small town. And I made that choice because it was best for my family and for me. And it didn't really make sense from the standpoint of what people think. I, they thought I would live in a bigger city. Like I'd be one of those people who retire in a loft and I walk to get my baguettes and my hot coffee and I never have any groceries in the fridge and we travel all over. And instead I'm living in this small town and I have a boat and a cheap golf membership. And I'm going to live my life with my husband while I work my rear end off and hang out with my kids. And what I realize now after making that really big decision, because I had lived in another place for 20 years and before that, a similar place for 20 years before that. So by upending my life, I realized, Hey, 20 year old Liz, do not make any decisions based on validation and approval. Don't do it. 
look at what other people are doing and figure out what your belief system is and align it and refine it, but stop worrying about whether or not people think you're okay. The world is a place for you to cultivate the life that you want. And your job is to live out your purpose and to get, and to master that master how to live out your purpose, not to make sure that everyone likes you. And I think that, uh, you know, I'm not going to regret anything, but I could have avoided a lot of stress in my life if I had understood the power that you could live anywhere you want. You can do anything you want. You've just got to be yourself. It will work itself out is the message that I continue to give my 20 year old self actually. Uh, so she'll be brave and let me make some decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I love the way that you position that and, and just set it up. I thought it was a great way to just living out your purpose, I think is really powerful statement. You know, one of the things that, that I've, I think I struggled with that my 20 year old self was really understanding what my purpose was. So I'm probably taking some time to figure that out as well. Um, I always like to ask, do you think your 20 year old self would have list, would listen to your advice? I think my 20 year old self wanted so badly for someone to say that, and that there was something inside of me intuitively that wanted so many things, but the world did not, did not formulate a yes for me. So I thought, you know, you finish college and you go find a job and you purchase things and you, um, you know, wear certain things and your hair should look a certain way. And I, I, if you if you went back and looked and, you know, Facebook obviously wasn't around, thank goodness when I was 20, but like, if you even look in the last 15 years of what I am on Facebook or Facebook in particular, cause it's been around the longest, you can see the evolution of me becoming myself. So I do think that with some encouragement, I might've done that. I might've become more myself sooner. Uh, but you know, we all, we're taught, we're taught there is particularly women are taught that you're on the, you're not on the right path if people think you're not right on, on the right path. Uh, it's a pretty scary thing mm-hmm. to just go out, but who can read your blueprint better than you? Like, why would we give other people yeah. the ability to tell us, you know, when someone, well, you know, I don't know if you've heard your parents say, well, I know you better than you know yourself. No, it's not true. <laughs> you do know yourself mm-hmm. and you just have to have the confidence to go there. So I'm pretty passionate about it. I have young people in my life, twins that are 25, as a 19-year-old girl, a 17-year-old girl. And I want them. I'm telling them all the time, like, I can give you advice, but what is your heart telling you? I really want to know first before I give you advice. What are you saying to yourself? And then we'll work from there. Because I would hope that they could have some confidence I didn't have when I was that age. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic mentorship, really. Not just for your the, the youngins in your life, but for everyone that's listening to this, I love that. Um, all right. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me, Liz. What is something you'd like to ask me? Okay. This is fun. So what do you, what, what do, when you're networking or connecting, like when we met for the first time, what do I not get to see that is such a gem about who you are that like now I'm talking to you and I'm like, mm-hmm, this was, you didn't lead with this. Like, what do you see that you're leaving on the table that people don't get to see right away? Oh man, that's deep. <laughs> I am a coach. I'm a coach. Oh, you wow. this kind of question. 
Uh, now I have to do self-reflection stuff. <laughs> um, It'll make you better. It'll make you better. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, when I meet someone new, I do kind of hold back and and not be myself because it is kind of a, a testing, gauging the the room and the level of comfort. Um, and but that's more like an introvert thing, I think, for me. Um, but once I am comfortable with my surroundings and I go all in, um, but I'm always 100% trying to help other people. And, and, and I, I tend to put other people first, which, you know, I think a lot of people do that. Um, but I, I don't know, I've got a lot of unique perspectives and experiences and I, I like to share my experiences and, and educate people and help them become better at whatever it is they're they're doing, you know, I'm very much of the believer of you know te teach a man how to fish type of philosophy, um, and help people just be better and elevate them. That's awesome. So in the beginning, they might not get the reinforcement if they're jerky. Sure. <laughs> is yeah. Is that kind of what it is? Like yeah. when when someone's looking over your head to find a better thing, you're like, okay, you're not getting the lifeline that you could get. Correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good vibes though. That's good vibes to be ready to help. <laughs> that's fun. Uh, thank you for that, that question that made me kind of <laughs> go deeper. <laughs> um, Liz, I know you've got something to offer our listeners. You want to talk about that for a quick minute? You bet. You bet. So um, one of the presentations that I give, I call what not to say, and it's five categories of statements that we think that they are, um, you know, they're not, they're not, they're, they're easy. People should be offended. And I explain why. So I have a uh, partner resource to that presentation, which is what to say. So I, I'll give that to anyone who wants it. And then there are other ways to work with me to come into the organization. Um, you know, I would say I'm not a salesy person in the sense that you can, I just think the world needs the help and support. And so whatever I can do to help, but I also love to build that relationship and strengthen organizations. I really feel like diversity connects with innovation. Uh, I think it connects with a lot of things we don't realize. And so it starts with confident communication. It doesn't start with uh, going to a food festival. And I think that we, we're, we always start, it seems like we start in the wrong spot because we're so afraid of getting it wrong. So this document will help people get it right. And then um, there'll be ways to follow up if you want. Uh, fantastic. So um, now you, you said you were sending that to me to just share and throw in our show notes, yeah. or is there a link that you want me to, to include in the show notes? To access I'll that? just give it to you and then okay. the links will be there. Yep. It'll just be in the show notes. Cool. Awesome. We'll definitely include that in there. Any final word or advice to share with our listeners about growing and supporting your network? You know, I really think that as we move away from thinking that people are diverse and that it's situations that are diverse, I really think to, to, to make sure that you're working to understand a person's experience. We have this unique moment in time where it's tumultuous and there's so much that is unknown. 
And so what a great opportunity to get to know each other at a deeper level and say things like, what has been your experience with that? And dig deeper about why would you choose one thing over another? Why is that so important to you? This is our moment where we have so much influence on other people, but we're afraid to use it. I'm really hoping that people will see that we're better together and start using our influence in a positive way. I think that's fantastic advice to share. And thank you so much. So Liz, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way that they can reach you? So easy. Just go to lizneed.com, L-I-Z-N-E-A-D.com. And there's all kinds of goodies in there and an easy way to connect with me. Fantastic. We will include all that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Great conversation. Love the advice that you shared. All right. So this wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Liz for taking the time to connect with us. As mentioned before, let's definitely connect on LinkedIn. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and feel free to reach out to Liz as well. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And most importantly, go reach out and connect with someone. Reconnect with someone from your past. Find someone new that you'd like to connect with. That's what it's all about, people. Go build those relationships. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.